Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. Uh, This was such a great interview with uh, Steve E. Asher, who's an author and paranormal uh, researcher, that I've split it into two parts. And right now, you are going to be listening or watching part one of that interview. But make sure to find part two, which I'm going to release consecutively with it, so that you can enjoy all the fantastic story that Steve retells during the interview. Hi, everybody. It's Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? And today, I have a gentleman who I know that you are going to absolutely love because he is written two books about the paranormal you're going to see they're they're fantastic i can't wait to get into this conversation with him his name is steve e asher he's a freelance writer and an artist as well as a lover of music uh previously he worked for over 10 years in law enforcement and as a correctional officer however he's also a longtime researcher of the paranormal now he's always had a deep interest in the kentucky state penitentiary since his early childhood uh, his father told him of the many dark things that inhabit the oppressive halls of the prison. And Steve is going to explain why his father would know all about that because I think his dad worked there. But anyway, uh, he worked there himself and experienced some of the same phenomena that himself, once he knew what was going on, of course, he wrote about it. Lucky for us because now he's going to tell us all about it. But anyway, let me get going and let me bring him on. How are you doing today, Steve? doing swell ma'am thank you for having me on no absolutely my pleasure steve i'm going to ask you what i ask all my guests at the beginning um i know that kind of explains that you wrote the books based on uh some of your experiences after you know while you were working there that you things that you came upon but when was your first encounter in the paranormal was that as a child as an adult how did that go happen well uh, it's one of these things where and again you know i'll put the disclaimer out you know um most of these stories were from other officers. There's a handful of them that were mine, but I'm not trying to sell anybody on the paranormal. I'm not sitting saying, oh, this is a ghost, this is a demon, this is Mickey Mouse. It's just a thing of this is what they saw, it's, you know, just like the old dragnet thing, just the facts. Right. If they said they saw a, a shadow or something got thrown against the wall or they felt a chill or got strangled or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm taking it at the word. And it's one of these things you obviously have to vet your interviewers. Um, so, I mean, you had some that was just 
just kooky you know, or people were seeing spooks around every every uh, blade of grass and i i can't entertain that i mean that's fine that's great and you know that's that some of them really like the fact that they see things all over the place but generally i i go for folks that you almost have to pull the story out of them right um, most people are just like going this being western kentucky you know a lot of people are fairly churchy and they're also know how it is this is the south you don't you don't want to step out and look silly or look like you're some sort of heathen by whatever standards but they would just go well I'll, i don't believe in ghosts but there was this one time i saw yeah that, that one time uh, yeah exactly yeah, that one time and that's and i could have just named these books the that one time series um, cuz that was almost almost word for word what they would say are like you know i'm not crazy i don't believe i think this stuff is crap but you know and and once you get known as the guy that is okay to talk about stuff especially once i got time in that's when you would have people actually you know go oh well so and so it's like one of those good fellow guys oh i know a guy uh-huh. um, you become the you are the guy that's safe to talk to but um going back to your your question about the, the uh, first time i had experiences i, I would have a, a few little different things that would happen um as we were talking about um, there was a big city graveyard. Uh, by the time I was seven, my parents were divorced, and my dad lived back on some property that my grandmother had left him on the other side of the city cemetery, which is Cedar Hill Cemetery. Okay. Okay. Uh, I lived a couple miles down on a county road, and I had to walk up there sometimes to see my dad. Well, um, sometimes I would go see my dad. You know, as the sun's going down, you know, just go decide, well, hey, dad wants you to just go spend the night with him. So I'm walking through there, and a lot of times they say, well, just take the trail through the woods, which is there's a little bicycle trail, walking trail sort of thing okay. that goes alongside of the graveyard, but you have to walk into the graveyard to get to that at a small bridge. Then you jump down into the little creek or whatever it's called, run along that, and then you'll end up getting to the top of the bank where my father was at. And this was probably a quarter of a mile, maybe a mile. And which this is again the time when kids were running up and down the street and trying to be evil Knievel and ramping this and that in the street and getting busted noses and that's okay. But anyway, so I would walk through there and you know that thing like you're walking and you kinda hear sounds of walking behind you. And you're yes. like, Oh, it's even then which I wasn't seven, I was more like eight or nine which is not much better, but I'm walking through there and you'll hear it. And it's like, well, obviously that's my sound of my feet echoing off of something. Right. And then you'd like try to walk kind of quick and stop. And you might be still hear it at that same tempo, things like that. I never felt really threatened there because I always respected, you know, always tried to respect the dead. And I was one of those weird kids, you know, if I saw, you know, flowers knocked off, I try to set them up and say, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure this is, you know, nice. Or right. I was actually, ste- I was a weird kid. I would step on. If even I actually stepped on the, where, you know, the bodies were at. You know, I would say, oh, I'm, I apologize. Excuse me. The South, right? But anyway, um, but yeah, I would see. You know, hear hear little things, see shadows there. But, um, the one time that really stood out, uh, I had a friend spend the night. I was maybe eleven, something like that, and we were staying in my little room. And we'd had the doorway open, um, leading out into the kitchen. Now, again, this is Western Kentucky, and we were living in 
the county at the time, uh, okay. which means there's not much street lighting. Now it's part of the city where I lived, but at the time it was all county. Well, anyway, I'm sure there's parts of Florida that gets mighty dark at night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you turn your house lights off and it's pitch black. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we were sitting there and I kept – something kept kind of drawing my my, vi- my vision or my interest at the door. And it started getting real cool, um, not like not like a snowstorm or something, but just like a really cool breeze was coming out. This is like July. Okay. There was there was no breeze, you know. And this at the time we didn't even have fans, you know. We had the windows up, but you know we we were kind of poor kids, so we didn't have all that. But in the doorway, it was very black, but something as tall as a doorway, almost looked hooded was standing in the, the middle of the doorway. But it's not that I saw it. It was the fact that it was so black. It was blacker than the black around it. You know, oh, my God, I've heard that description exactly like what you said, that it's darker than dark, than the darkness. Right. Well, the crazy thing was, and, and like I said, it's one of these things, it, if I hadn't seen it, I would I would call BS, right? right. But it was a thing where it, uh, the, and I'm, I'm sitting there trying to, I'm remembering as I'm going through it, when... I noticed it. Uh, my friend's name was Mike, and I was like, "Mikey," I said, "Are you?" And he's like, "I don't, I don't want to." He was like, "When well, he's an extremely nervy kid," I said, "I don't want to. I don't know." I said, Are, "Dude, do you not see that?" He said, "I do, and I don't want to." So he's trying to like he's trying to go through the wall. So he saw it too. Yes. Oh. And the thing was, okay. Let me explain this. Have you ever put your hand either on the back of a of a fan, and you have that kind of pulling sensation of yes. air yes, going like past that your suction, body? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. That was – I don't know if it was so much that it was a cold breeze or it was sucking the heat out of the room. But it felt like all the air was going out past it. And then once it like realized that I'm like, oh, yeah, we see you, it started to kind of move forward. I'm not talking like walking, like that weird, creepy glide, real slow. So we – this was an older house, so it had one of the type of uh, lights that you had to reach up and pull the, the string, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I'm going, oh, geez, you know, and he's freaking out. God, God, I got to get out of here. We were in the corner of the room. There was no getting out. So, and I'm like, he's like, do something. So I'm, I'm scared, and I'm thinking, I can't get out past it to get to my mom because she's out. So only thing I can think of, and I used to be fairly religious kid. I get on the edge of the bed, start singing, Jesus loves me this I know. Of all songs, that that is my thing I grabbed for, but that was it. Uh-huh. As quick as I started doing it, it started double-timing it toward the middle of the room. Oh. I, I reach out. It's probably – I mean it's not right on me or I would never have done it, but it was probably two or three feet from where the light's at. I pull the thing. I fall back on the bed. I huddle up un- under the blankets. And I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, help us. You know. Oh, my God. The light's God. on. Finally, I peek out from under the covers. <laughs> Whatever it was is gone. It's – the code is left. And the thing that I didn't mention, the air smell. Uh, okay, I'm trying to describe this. If either of you've been in a really musky old basement, or have, I don't know how many times you've been in a mausoleum before, it has that sort of yes. old death, old death smell. It's not really bad, bad, but it's like not like uh, rotting. But I know what you're saying. It's like a right. musky. It's, it's something that, but you can tell something had. Something had died. It's almost like when you find like old mice or something. Yes, exactly. It's not it's fresh, that, but yeah. No, but it's enough to go, Mm-mm, that's not right. Uh-huh. 
so anyway, but yeah, that that was my first real thing, and that is the thing that made me go, no, I'm done with this. I'm done being scared of stuff. I was a really scared little boy, and so we went, or I went. He he, he didn't spend the night anymore after that. I, I was um, <laughs> I was about to say, dick it. That's the last time your friend spent the night over, right? No, I mean, I mean, and again, I don't I don't see stuff all the time. There's a lot of times we'll do investigations. I see nothing. Um, cause like I said, the guy that, is, or a show or whatever you're watching that gets something every single time. Mm, I know. No I know. I know. No one's got that kind of luck. I but, know. I know. So anyway. But let me, but the, I'm surprised though that your friend that was there saw it just like the same as you. Well, that was the thing because we were talking about something and, uh, and he was like, oh, like kind of like a, a, you know, just kind of making sort of a weird, like a sound. I'm like, what's your problem? And so I look kind of, that's when I glanced over to the doorway, and I think he actually seen it before me because I'd asked him. I said, man, hey, man, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll say a prayer before we go to bed with this and that. And he's like, nope. No. He said, I'm, I'm good. He said, love you, dude. <laughs> I'm out. You know, he said, I'm just uh, – we can hang. We can play outside, but I don't want to sleep over again. You know, and I've, I've slept at his house before. There was no problem um, just for some reason, and that house wasn't even that old. Um, there was – uh, there was a, a fair amount of uh, alcohol abuse in, in the house. Um, a lot of like a, a breakdown of a 35-year marriage. Okay. A lot of negativity. A lot of uh, pent-up frustration. All those gory, you know, emotions that equate right. to misery and just a bad thing. Which you know, when I was kind of small. I didn't get it. Um, right. No, but, you were you were a child. And let me ask you, Steve. Did you ever later on? Did you ever compare notes with any of your siblings to see if they had seen something like that? Yeah, actually, I did. It was weird because um, my brother. Um, okay, I had had two. My father was a military guy during World War II, and he actually ended up being an officer. Which I told you, like mm-hmm. military guys like structure. A lot of times they'll go into law enforcement right. or that. Uh, and he was there. Uh, he never told me that he saw anything. But my my other brother, Robert. He lives there now. Um, when my parents, or when my mother finally passed, because my my, fa- my father passed, and or no 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 no, I'm sorry, mother passed and dad passed. When dad passed, the house that was in county came to me, mm-hmm. and I I gave it to my brother because we we had a little place, and he was just coming through a, a divorce. You know, again that ties all in with a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, so, but he still says, yeah, he'll still see things. Uh, a lot of times he'll get. Okay, not at the baseboard, but like the top corner of the room. Okay. He might he might have almost like a shadow, like a little small shadow. Like if it was on the ground, I'd go, man, was that a rat or right. something like like or a something big mouse? But sometimes he would see that. I sometimes I would see that as a kid, but not often. And like I said, that's one of those things. I don't want this to you know these books to come off like I'm trying to you know, whatever. You know, I, right. I do not see. I don't see Jerry Garcia and Toast. I don't see. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I mean, but you know what? But but, and I'm glad you. And that's what. And believe it or not, that's why I asked you because some people that have, you know, they have stuff like exactly like what you described as a kid, and then some of them nothing. It's when they're an adult something happens. But um, you could you could still have those experiences. And some people they go opposite direction. The last thing they want to is talk about the paranormal, just like what your friend did to, told you about. Like, hey. Mm-hmm. I saw it, but I don't ever want to talk about it, and I'm not going to stay here anymore. <laughs> you know, no. so. Well, yeah, well, that's that thing. It's, uh, 
the, the old fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong. I, I've had guys, uh, this is slightly off topic, but I've had folks that we hired in at the pen, and there's a series of gates, and you know, it's got that slamming sound. Yeah. It echoes throughout these big, this big stone building. And some people get one or two gates in and go, I. I I'm not going out there. I mean, they're done. They've gone through training and everything. They just, their bodies will not let them do it. And, you know, guys are over there going, oh, he's a whatever, wimp or stronger words. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, he's that guy or that lady's smart because we're the dum-dums that keep going in here. And we know what's in here. And we're eventually, odds are we're going to get stabbed or something else. But yet we still go, which obviously, you know, we're paying for our our homes and our children's educations and whatnot. But not everyone's built for that, and that's okay. But um, And that was like you said, he went one way, I went the other. So in town we have a, a library. It's a George Coon Library. And okay. so I started going there. I remember it was the one, the 133, uh, 133-point-whatever-section, esoteric and – Can you remember it? So, Oh, I mean I lived in it. I, I was like this little uh, – like a little Pugsley Adam kid. I've had, I even had a little chili bow haircut. <laughs> You know, the little striped shirt. You know, I'm sure, uh-huh. sure I had a dirty nose. I mean, I was a poor kid. I was this little poor kid that come in there, and and I'd be like reading this and that. And I remember asking them, you know, excuse me, do you have anything on the ESP and spontaneous combustion? And they're just looking at me like, what? You know, <laughs> what about baseball, kid? You know, so yeah. I was just that oddball kid. But you know, it's a small town, and people went, eh, that's Stevie. Well, they, they knew me as Stevie. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like, yeah, that's just Stevie. You know, he's weird, but he's harmless. And the more I researched, the more I studied, I started doing my own thing. And I would read guys like Hans Holzer and yes, exactly. stuff like that. He was my he was my gateway drug for the mm-hmm. paranormal. And yes. um, so all, all those different books and all that. But um, but as I learned, well, some of these things, you know, there's things you can say in prayers and whatever mm-hmm. and different little things, you know, everything from smudge sticks to whatever holy water right. to Lord's Prayer, whatever works for you, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I believe the intent, the, the magic is in the intent, not so much the tool. Exactly. Uh, you know, so. And whatever helps you focus that intent is what's going to work. Uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, it was some movie that said, whatever gets you through the night, Jack, it was one of those <laughs> things, it's whatever huh? gets you, whatever yeah. gets you to the morning, you know, and, um, and, and that's very true. Um, but yeah, yeah. Once I really started studying it, and I learned, oh, I'm not at the mercy of monsters and this and that. Because I, I grew up on, I, I grew up. My really formative years was like the, the mid '70s. So you had stuff like Kolchak the Night Stalker. You oh had, my God, I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember? Do you remember a movie called Gargoyles? Yes, of course oh I my, do. It was like one of those movie uh, of the uh, weeks I, movies. Yes, that was such the, a neat. Well. And looking at it now, and my kids are like, really? I was like, hey, listen, the 1970s, that was mind-blowing. That was CGI. Yes, it was. You're absolutely right. I was – like I loved being out at night. For some reason, I always was drawn to night. But then you know, for a few weeks, I'd be watching those trees, watching for that guy. It sounded like he's talking through a fan, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't want that guy to get me. But um, that that was just that time, you know. So there was a lot of stuff. You know, The Exorcist, I seen that thing when I was – as soon as it come out, as soon as it come out, uh, my brothers or somebody had gotten it, and I watched it, and that man that screwed me up. But that I know that 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 did a number on me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but but what's so funny is I love horror movies now. I mean, I'm to the point of trying like really. Well, Shine is my wife, um, and she's just like, okay. I mean, she kind of gets it now. 
um, she she was from a um, pretty straight kind of Mormon family, mm-hmm. and you know I was kind of from a roughneck, um, rough and tumble, you know blue collar Southern Baptist family. So I kind of said, well, it's sort of like the Waltons on her side meets the Mansons on mine. <laughs> And our kids are an amalgamation of both. I mean, hopefully in the best way. I mean, they've, you know, like for Thanksgiving, okay, this has got nothing to do with our books, and I know I'm yammering. Like Thanksgiving, it became a tradition that we would always watch Rocky Horror Picture Show because mm-hmm. it was one of my favorite shows. Because, you know, of course, they had the big dinner, and he's cutting up and stuff. Yes. That's just my quirky family. We've basically became the Adams family. I don't know what happened. But, but like you were saying, um, my brothers and them did say they saw some weird things. Um but it wasn't – like I said, I never knew how much was going on with the pen until I was there. My right. father had mentioned things. There had been a guy, late 60s or 70s, it was a lieutenant. And understand – have you ever seen like Gangs in New York? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you, wasn't there a scene where like they uh, cut some guy's head off and set it up on a on like a curve or something? for? Yeah, like, yeah. Cool. I think it was uh... – Yes, I know. Yes, yes. Like the butcher, I think, did it. Yes, anyway. the butcher did it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The, the 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 part that Daniel Day Lewis plays the part of. Great, as a great film. Um, I know. My dad um, mentioned things like that happened, and where they would took the head and like rolled it down the uh, down the hill, just like you know, like you're like you're playing bowling or something. Oh my and god! And just that was normal. Uh, when I first started there, there was a guy who, okay, you have certain rights. Pretty much, even if you're in what they call segregation, I worked when by the time I was there, it was considered a supermax. Right. Uh, and so people would have to get legal mail. That's that is your right. Because um, if you don't know, you have a hearing. That's you know they'll go with your contempt of court. I was never given the paperwork, and anyway, so some new guy gave some uh, some guy some legal paperwork, but he didn't take a paper clip or a staple. No, that's what it was—a staple out. And so anyway, he got the staple, gave the legal paperwork back. It was like my first week there, and I come running over to Three Cell House, uh, which is the segregation – one of the segregation units. And they said, Asher, we need you over on 13 – or 14 left, which is the Cutter's Walk. Uh, I didn't know that then, but I walked onto the thing, and there's a guy sitting in one of those immobilization chairs. We used to call it a mercy, a mercy seat. And uh, – there was blood streaks. And I was like, "Wow, they really." He put up a good fight, you know, but there was a decent amount of blood, and I just who got stabbed. So just get over here and help, you know. Just come on, rookie, let's go. So I'm sitting there. He says, "They're loading this up on us." As a, he was pretty much stripped out of his clothes, but okay. he had a towel over his business. And I was like, "Well, well, that's weird, you know. We beat the crap out of the guy, but we of course want to be modest." So anyway, and he <laughs> said, "Here, hold this towel," and I'm like. Okay, he says, no, hold it down. I'm like, okay. So we're going out the door, and as we go out into the yard, I see – I can feel because I don't have gloves on. I can oh. feel wet of the towel, and I kind of go, what's going on? And uh, the guy's kind of half out of it because they doped him because he was so violent. They said, just give a little look, man. I said, I don't want to look. He just look. And he had basically pretty much sawed his penis off. With a staple, and this is that's not an easy or a quick no, thing. I know, he worked on I that know. for hours. Yeah, and you know, was the guy to me to me was the guy mentally challenged, uh, and should, probably shouldn't have been there 100. percent Yes, but yes. that's some of the things you saw in an old penitentiary. They run on that concept of penance. 
Yeah. It is not a rehabilitation center. It is not a mm-hmm. school for boys. It is not anything like a second chance halfway home. This is you're here. We're going to break you down. Yeah. If you can survive it, you can get out. And if not, you smart, not come back. But you know, I mean, they had programs, you know, later on, but it was still very brutal. And oh, yeah. that was I'm one sure. of the things that I think caused a lot of the negativity that is in there, just for mm-hmm. the nature, because sure. it's a. Uh, and I don't mean to say this and be dramatic, but it's a it's a death machine. It really is. And you know, I've, good lord, I, I've seen so many spots where people were stabbed and beat down, and you know, heads were caved in with weights, and people were raped, and all this mess. Yeah, because you're talking, and I imagine being a supermax prison, this is where they send the worst offenders, right? Right. Well, and this is the thing. Like, say you have like a really strong gang guy. Right. In Florida. Uh, to break up the cell, the state thought, well, here, we'll, we'll send one to Kentucky. Well, we'll send one to Idaho. We'll send one to uh, Arizona. Well, okay. that's fine and good, but these guys can still send mail to one another. So what you do is you have uh, taken the infection and threw it in five other people. Wow. So now these different little gangs are springing up in these other towns and other, other states, and that's what you would get. Wow. We actually had had some officers not long ago. I won't say their names because uh, I don't know if it's public or not. That was attacked by some Aryan Brotherhood guys, and it's just it's madness, you know. Uh, that's what people don't get. People, and and there there is a contingent. Uh, I, I always try to be real honest, and I try not to BS people. There is a contingent of officers that are kind of good old boys wanting to mm-hmm. yell into doors at like people that are you know different ethnicities and calling them racial slurs so they start kicking the door and go open the door we got to take them down you know we used to have you know guys that would knock on the door and says i'm uh, who's who's wanting to fight today and then you start having x amount of people scream uh and they would come out and they would go gladiator i mean it's just insane it's well i I imagine that i mean i'm sure they're there because at some point they were convicted of some type of crime but i'm sure there had to be a lot of mental illness and i mean and it's like it must have been that sounds like a very difficult um and I, I mean, in other words i can see definitely where there's a lot of uh maybe active or intelligent phenomena or hauntings whatever you want to call it just because unfortunately of the people that were housed there well it's such a strong battery you got well yeah. i mean the uh the building is limestone it's built upon the limestone um area uh, we have a car system which is where there's a lot of aquifers running through limestone in the ground wow. it, they're also right next to the prison there's a flooded town they took Edible and katawa which is the names of the towns flooded them back for, i think jfk did it so they'd have hydroelectric uh-huh. and pushed a lot of these people out wow. flooded i mean didn't knock down the buildings there's still buildings under there there's wow. the you know so but so all of this is running water has a has a current um Limestone has a certain amount of, you know, quartz to it. Quartz, just like a, any sort of radio receiver, can yes. channel certain frequencies. Yes. Um, I've always believed, and I, this is as close to me saying, I think that um, humans, water, plants, air, everything, yes, has an energy, has I think a certain certain amount of an intelligence, mm-hmm. and all these things can work together beneficially or that can work against you yes um as you know high em- emf fields also can yes calls anything from 
dementia, heightened violence, nausea, um, hallucinations, uh, yes. all that. And a lot of the wiring and a lot of the old three-cell house at the time really wasn't what it should have been um, because we had had a death walk at one time at the bottom of three-cell house, which is where they had the electric chair, which okay. they, called, they called old Sparky. Right. Was, you know, got to give. Let me ask you, how old was that prison? Like what? Post what? Civil War? When was it built? Okay, it went online. I think Christmas Eve, nineteen eighty-nine. And if you hear that sound, can you? I don't know if you hear that train. Okay. We we have a train. We don't worry train about it. No, I can't hear it. But for me, oh, good. Okay, because I always apologize to people. They're going. I've had some people go like, "What is that?" I said, "I don't hear anything." But no, no, that's <laughs> a train. It comes through occasionally. Sorry. Um, like I said, Western Kentucky. I'm very rural. Um, but yeah, um, I actually tried to do an investigation while I was an officer there. And I went through Frankfurt and all this and that. And they said, well, no, you're a frontline officer. It's uh, it's too dangerous, and we don't want you in there with recording devices. For whatever reason, you may pick up a conversation. It could get a conversation out, and I'm like, okay. But um, And I tried that for forever to get them to do it. Okay. Um, and even when I wrote the book, there were some people that's like, oh, there's a book coming about the pen. And they're going, oh, like, what is he going to say? And I'm like <laughs> – I'm not worried about all the backroom dealings you guys have done. And like, yeah, that's not what the book is about. System, no, no, they got really funny about it. And some people were just kind of like, you know, well, it's never going to come out. I'm like, okay, maybe it will. You know, uh, but once they kind of seen it, then they had something else to be outraged about. You know, oh, that's BS. But what's so funny, a lot of the officers, especially the younger officers, who's not really part of that, really liked it. And what surprised me um, that – a lot of people – I've had people contacted that contacted me that have sons or whoever's are in there and have read the book themselves. And right. right. Yes, this is 100 percent right. Five cell house, second floor. You what? can hear people That's what I was going to ask you. Haven't you had people corroborate those stories after the fact also? I had – well, pretty much any story. Okay. Okay. It's like this. And Okay. You talk to five officers mm-hmm. and – Say, oh no, let me change it. No, no, no. So you talk to 25 officers, okay? At least five of them have the same area with some sort of activity. Some of them okay. are the same, but maybe with slight variations. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm taking that element of that story on the same floor, that element, which is sort of a reason a continuation past that event, and I put them together so you have a really punchy chapter. So it's like all that happened, but. I put it together under one, one story, because um, there's sometimes you might have, you know, you go do around your coffee cup is moved slightly, or something, or you go in there and your office lights are on when you turned them off, or like that's you can't get a chapter out of that, and so that's why I tried to do is I tried to encapsulate and amalgamate all these different stories so it was really punchy, um, but so if you're talking to, you know, I spoke to several hundred people off and on, and this is like. Current officers, and I'm talking officers, lieutenants, captains, okay. previous employees, uh, kitchen workers, um, former former inmates, you know, all these different folks. And uh, it was one of these things. It's like, hey, do you mind if I'm using a book? Sure. I said, I'll I'll change your name and maybe change the location. If you're like a if you're a Chinese woman, I'll make you a black guy or like, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, if you're 80 years old, I'll make you 23 years old. So it's really I really try to camouflage it as okay. much as I could. But um, so yeah, and that's what you what you have. You have so many people that can collaborate it, 
and just like West, well, that just just like Western State, which was formerly called the Western Lunatic Asylum. That's why it's called that. Um, the Western Lunatic Asylum. Which, oh, okay. You said when did the prison come online? Yes. I believe I believe it was Christmas Eve. I think 1980. No, no, no. 1888 or 1889. Right, right. Post Civil War. Yeah, around those times. That's when just, they did a lot of those. Uh, those old those old prisons, mm-hmm. and it was modeled on the old Juliet, uh, Juliet, Illinois. Right. And it had that kind of gothic vibe to mm-hmm. it. And a lot of the labor was inmate labor. Yes. So yes. imagine all that. Not only do you get – it's kind of like, you know, here, dig that grave. You'll be in it in about five minutes. It's one of those type of deals. Yeah. The stress and tension of all that. And there was people that died from but you know, poorly ventilated plumbing in four cell house, and it just would creep out at night, the uh, methane, and it would kill people, wow. kill them dead. And – that was just part of it, you know. And but um, but I was going to say about the Western Lunatic Asylum, and I know yes. I'll jump over. Um, it was called the Western Lunatic Asylum because it was 1854, I believe, uh, when it came online. And you know, lunatic was just a thing; it was just a term, like you know, moron or idiot or yeah, you know, r- r- mental retardation. You know, the R word. And yeah, they were feeble-minded or whatever. Yeah, well, there is a there is a place in Louisville, I think it's in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, called the uh, Home for the Feeble-Minded. Mm-hmm. And it was just a thing, you know, or there was one that's like, you know, uh, whatever, um, hospital for idiot, you know, or nincompoops or some sort of some sort of kind of derogatory stuff you would hear yes. on Three Stooges as a kid, but you never got that it was a classic uh, classic medical term of the time. Right. You know, um, but then again, you'd have people in the lunatic asylum, anything from women's hysteria, oh, yes. depression, novel reading. Can you believe that? Yeah, they had uh, some of the when you look at it, some of them you have to like bust out laughing because you're like people were committed for this. <laughs> I mean, this was a serious symptom. Well, sometimes female hysteria is like if, if well, I mean, I don't want to get too into it, but, if, you know, back then women were kind of chattel. They were kind of. They were objects. They were um, property, and for whatever reason, they don't want to spend time with their husband. They can go, well, she's whatever. Well, commit her. Yes. I mean, it was just the nature of it. They, you know, uh, wives were pretty much in the same mindset of, or or in the same grouping of slaves would have been. You know, Mm -hmm. pretty civil war. Yes. But um, so that's what's. Uh, I think. Well, go ahead. No, no, that I mean, I was uh, one time we're doing research on a uh, same type of, you know, state asylum, but this was like in East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it's been knocked down now. It's, it was the Eastern Tennessee uh, Asylum for the Chronically Insane. You know that they change the names like every few years, every 20 or 30, 40 years. But anyway, there was a lot of stories that I read where there's a doctor he, and he calls ahead to the hospital and he's telling them, I'm coming in with a female patient. She needs to be hospitalized, like institutionalized. Right. So they send a nurse and a female police officer, believe it or not. This was back in the, um, I want to say, 19-teens, not even 1920, which I was surprised when I saw that it was an officer that was a woman. But I guess maybe they had her for situations like that. So he right. comes in on the train, and this patient, she's even tied down. And when the, she goes in there, the lady's telling them, I'm not crazy. That's my husband. And he's mm-hmm. and he's a dope fiend. And I quote, that's exactly the verbiage that they use, dope fiend. And he's going off to Florida with his lover. 
thank God this the the nurse and the lady officer believed her, and sure enough, she was right. He was he was a doctor. He had developed a drug habit. He was gonna drop her off, have her institutionalized. You know, even though they were married, that really was his wife. And he was going off to Florida to be with his mistress. <laughs> well, and that's what's so crazy. You, and it was you know, like, this was... he thought he was going to get away with, but I'm sure there's some that right. actually did. Well, this is like the, during the time when they that literally put cocaine in Coke. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, um, good Lord, all, uh, the different, you know, opiates and, and um, th- those different things, you know, it was just over the counter. Here, here's some cocaine for your, yes. your toothache, you know. Yes. It was at the time of going, oh, it's the age of uh, science. Here, here's this. But, and, well, I mean, this is also roughly in the same time of, like, like the HR, uh, was it H.H. Holmes and all those, right. like, oh, yes. well, he's a doctor. He's very learned, you know. Yes, I, I think that's him. why he was able to get away with as much as he did because if you were a doctor, you weren't really looked that hard. Doctor privilege, you know, if mm. you want to call oh, it yeah. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that was for sure there, but... I was going to tell you, you said they changed the names of the of the facilities. Do you know why that is? No. Okay. Not, I mean, I, most of the times they would say, well, it was they may, would make some type of change or but uh, or sometimes they would use the name of the of a founder. But go ahead. I'm sure there's you've got well, some, something I don't the know. Reason, the reason I know, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably have heard this, but uh, the reason that the Western Lunatic Asylum was changed to the Western State Hospital. Uh-huh. Was was after I think it was World War One. A lot of uh, I guess they called them doughboys and stuff. Come back shell shocked. Yes. And in various uh, uh, ways, mentally, mentally uh, in disarray. Uh-huh. And a lot of the families and senators and the people were saying, "Look, these are not lunatics. These are not you know madmen. These are fighting people. These are heroes." Okay. And you know, it's disrespectful to put them somewhere. If it's going to, if they're going to be there, it needs to be changed to whatever hospital. Wow, see, and, and that's why it changed. I did not know that, but you know, I, that's that's very understandable why they didn't want to attach that label exactly sure. like what you said. Well, yeah, I mean, as I said, it makes it makes sense. I mean, yes, this is does. a time when it does. All right, Western State, and I know I'm kind of jumping between the two books, but Western State uh, is in Christian County. Kentucky. Okay. And all right, it's um, maybe I don't know, 20, 25 minutes from me. Now the penitentiary is like less than ten because uh, it's the next town in Edible. The hospital was in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So back at that time, all right, I don't know if you ever heard your grandma say, like, turn these lights out. You're going to get me in the poorhouse, you know, something like that. Yes. Or, you, know, you ever heard right. that term? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's because they really were poorhouses back when mm-hmm. she was a kid, and back at the in Christian County, the mental hospital, the county poorhouse, and a couple other little small, like those type of things that, well, we got to have them, but we don't want them in town. Yeah, like those almshouses, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And very much like that. They were all in the same area. And there had been people that went in there, and sometimes orphans were dropped off uh, yes. for whatever reason. They couldn't take care of them. They couldn't. Uh, I remember there was a real famous picture i think it was from chicago where it said uh, children free to good home uh cannot support them you know and then you could see the mother she's gonna have her face covered and you could tell she was tore up but that was a reality of the time De- yes. the depression uh depression times were yes. not fun um and anyway some of these kids stayed there and were not adopted mm-hmm. uh, i know being a, 
a father of, of a child that had been in a uh, an asylum, but in an orphanage. Now, right. in, in in Thailand, now this was a very well-run orphanage. All the ladies there treated them kind of like uh, like nephews, like extended members of the family. Uh-huh. Uh, especially my my little boy, he was real animated and cute, and always just did all kinds of cute stuff. So they loved him like like aunties, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, but you are institutionalized, especially if that's all you knew. We got our sure. our son when he was eight. So some of these kids never had that, so they never got a loving family or even remembered exactly. what they had. So by the time they were of age, they were not functioning uh, in any way to make it in society. Exactly. So they transitioned right into Western State. Uh-huh. Uh, there was even younger ones that were there, um, as I understand. And there was an uh, area, the way Western State is set up, uh, there's like a main building, and there's X amount of other little buildings laid out in the property for different activities. This is during the time, too, when you have, well, this is the black wing. This is the white wing. Uh-huh. You know, this is the black guy's wing. This is the white guy's wing. This is the black girl's wing. This is the white girl's wing. But at one time, it was also a TB hospital because TB, uh, TB yes. was very rampant. And, you know, they believed, well, they just need some fresh air, clean their lungs out because that yes. fixes everything. So they had big breezeways up on the top that was fenced in so they couldn't nosedive or something. Um, and after, you know, TB kind of went away, a lot of times they would have the little ones up there that where they could play and get fresh air. And they can kind of play in the halls. And mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of times it overlooked the main road, the main highway. And so they called it the Orphan Overlook. And I have a story about there were two of them that I guess they were brother and sister. And they – I'm not sure if they died from consumption or something, but supposedly they're still there. There was a woman that was working doing like data entry. Okay. And a lot of times uh, that happens like – would be like after the doctors leave. So she would come in mid to late afternoon, work to maybe nine or ten o'clock at night, have everything filed, have the paperwork ready for tomorrow, right. put them in the doctor's cubbies, and that's it. So, but she would start noticing little giggles, little things like that. Yeah, yeah, not good off the jump. Little giggles, oh. sound of little feet, you know, tapping along, um, uh. and where you know lights would flicker, just weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, she'd come back. Um, and one, this happened several nights. She come back and the the lights had went off and she was, uh, she had grabbed her cell phone. I was going to try to turn it on because she thought somebody was at the door. Well, uh, the door pushed open. Okay. And she was trying to get the light on, but I guess she'd hit her camera or, or, you know, whatever instead. Right. Well, the door popped open. She freaked. She dropped the phone and went <laughs> on the desk. It's the guy, the cleanup guy. So you're thinking, oh, thank God. Well, and she's like, I- I'm, I'm out of here. So she goes, and the guy is going down there. She feels something dra- pulling on her pants, on her on her, on her uh, skirt, like a little, you know, mom, mama type of uh-huh. thing. She's like, I'm not, this is, no, <laughs> I'm not dealing with She's walking. Now, it has a glass, uh, like where the breezeway's at, because they don't always have them open. You know, you can open right. up the glass, and the breezeways come in glanced over and she could see like shadows like these little holes oh. pulling on her pants leg well she, she runs out of there thinking I this is I don't know if maybe it's the place maybe I'm letting it play into my mind she left well she ended up coming back um, 
I think it's the next day. I was going to get her phone during the day. Um, located it. It was under the table. The screen was busted. She's like, great. Okay, because it's like hard tile floors. She ends up going and gets um, puts it up in the closet because she's having to get another cheap phone. Long story short is she had apparently it had sent to somebody, whatever, and right. apparently taken a picture. And her friend is saying, well, that's really weird. That was a strange picture. Did, have you, why'd you send me that? And it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, no, you sent a picture. Are you sure? Maybe I butt dialed you. And I said, no, no, it was like, it, I don't know, like a, a room. Well, anyway, she ended up getting the thing out, putting it into a computer, pulling the picture up, and she brightened it a little bit. And it was kind of cockeyed, but you could kind of see where the guy's standing there where his keys are in his hand. And you see like two little pale faces with big bright, like like blackish looking eyes, looking into the room like kind of past them. Oh, she she, she was done. She she transferred out. Um, <laughs> it's like and, thanks. Oh yeah, I'm like I mean don't get me wrong. Uh, being doing paranormal investigations, uh, you know, um, we've gone to a lot of places in okay around the prison. There's an area called LBL. Now that's land between the legs. Okay. Now, you may have heard of like that area. Um, it ties in with a lot of stuff like uh, Dogman stories and mm-hmm. Bigfoot stories. And well, there's a lot of graveyards and there's a lot of children's graveyards. And you're going like of just children, pretty much. Really. And so I looked it looked it up. There had been a really bad scarlet fever or some sort of outbreak like that. Okay. And it come from up around Louisville worked its way down through the waterways through Mississippi, and one of the places it hit was Paducah. Another one of the places it hit was Okatawa and Edible, and it decimated like a generation of kids. I mean, it was like, wow. if you were like two to two to ten, almost almost all of them died. Wow. And while we were there, uh, we would, you know, ask questions and stuff, and my wife has always got very good responses from little kids. She's very okay. personable and motherly and all that. And a lot of times she would get responses. And we'd actually had a one time where she had had her, like, you could physically see her pants legs being moved. And I'm not like a muscle flexing in your leg. I'm talking it's lifting up off the body and snapping back and snapping back. <laughs> and I have not had that. I've had other kind of stuff. Maybe just because I'm kind of this ball-headed, crazy Uncle Fester-looking guy. But <laughs> um, the kids, you know, I mean, once they get to know me, I'm great. But, you know. Sometimes people kind of look at you and think, well, you're going to be mean or something. But, um, and we've gotten a lot of different uh, EVPs down in that area as well. So, um, and all this is tied in like LBL and the penitentiary and, and Western State or the Lunatic Asylum or whatever. It's all within, you know, a 30, 35 minute area. I mean, it's a lot of activity for this small yes. little area. And that's why I write about this area because, well, obviously I'm a local boy, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we've, you know, I've lived different parts of the country. I mean, we've when we went to Thailand to get our son Joseph, they had had a major uprising. They were trying to overthrow whatever the prime minister was. Okay. So we had we had people on the back of the big um, like you ever seen like the big trucks where they used to throw sugar cane on and it has like kind of like yes. the wooden almost like fences that they put on put into the flatbeds. And yes. Yes. Anyway, they were driving up down the streets with machine guns and it was really extremely. Uh, well, it was freaking scary, uh, and I was like, "Okay, well." <laughs> a little bit on the surreal side—is that what you? T- <laughs> it was like watching a watching CNN, but you were there, and <laughs> and we were we weren't Americans. I said, "Do not say you're American. Say you're Canadian." Or, you right. know, I'd be talking like the Swedish chef. I'm an idiot, not to from under here. Whatever it takes, you know. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> just yeah, let me get I, out of here in one piece. Yeah, dude, I'll be Jamaican if you want me to. I don't care. Just don't shoot me and, and, and you know, my family. But it was one of those things that um, that that um, is, is so crazy how like all that different stuff and different energies plays into stuff. And I'm sorry, my dogs are going silly in the other room. Don't worry about um, it. But yeah, that's the thing that, like I said, that I ran into being from the area here is that stuff pops off and things have happened that a lot of people don't even know about. There's stuff that, good Lord, I can write a – actually, I plan on trying to write a book about eventually about a girl that was murdered and thrown in a well. There's all kinds of silly stuff that has happened here, tragic stuff. Okay. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell you this real quick since we're on the, on the subject. Yes. Uh, obviously, Hines of Kentucky State Penitentiary is about the prison. The Hines mm-hmm. of Lunatic Asylum is about the uh, the hospital. Uh, I'm working on book three and four. Okay. And I'm pretty much got, almost got them done. Uh, the third is going to be about a Catholic orphanage, a few, probably about 15 or 20 minutes out from here. And the other one's going to be a revisiting to the penitentiary because I had so many people go, this is cool, this is great, but why didn't you talk about this one – there's this one inmate called Kelly Moss who went to the chair, swore he was innocent, and said, I will haunt the halls of this place forever. That was the story, and this is back in the 50s, uh, late or late 50s, early 60s. Okay. Well, anyway, and I said, well, I kind of know a bit about it, but I don't really know – have any eyewitnesses, okay. eyewitness stories. And they're like, well – here, let me give you one because I've seen him or I've seen that or I've seen an experience here. So what's happening was I started kind of getting these little stories writing them down to the point I was going, I have enough for a book. I can release another book about this if I want to. And people said, well, yeah, please because certain people want to hear these stories. So that will be book for that. But okay, great. After that, Fantastic. After that, I want to ease back on the, on, on, the, on, the, on the ghost for a second just because you know, too much of a good thing is still too much. Um, and – my books after that, which I'm working on because I don't I'm, – I'm a workaholic, I guess. Um, it's going to be about this area. It's going to be about my town, but it's not my town. Okay, It's going to be about places that have the penitentiary in it, but it's not that penitentiary. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like a Stephen right. King. Right. I, 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 dairy I, type. Right. Well, it's See? like you're going to use them as a model, as a, right. as a blueprint well, kind of thing. Right, and it's basically all going to be happening in, in, in an area of one county. But these different places are going to be there, and it's going to be about some of the people that live there and some of the dark stuff they deal with and some of the things that – things that's always hit me sideways. We have a very large car system, which again is a series of caves. It's connected with Mammoth Cave, um, mm-hmm. and it runs through here, and there's a lot of aquifers, right. and there's a bunch of caves under Princeton, which is where I live, Princeton, Kentucky. Okay. And, and I know some people that went down in there, but a lot of people don't talk about it. It's almost like – they're just super weird about the caves, and I can understand you don't want kids going into the caves, but it's like – it's of course, my conspiracy in mind goes, hmm, why do they not want anybody in those caves? Yeah, uh-huh. What's that about? So, But anyway, so that's going to be a premise of one of them. But like, you know, like we have said, you kind of use your energies in different ways, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's more fun because it, I kind of get some of those little crazy ideas I had. You know, growing up and fears, you know, the things I was scared of about the caves, you know, always hearing all these weird stories about about stuff, um, you know, like supposedly there's like really big bats that live in there and different underground creatures that live there. And and this ties in obviously with, you know, the LBL monster and, and Dogman and Bigfoot and all these other underground right. stuff. There's even been talks of 
reptilian type creatures in LBO. You know what? I've <laughs> the other day I was coming. I was doing some research on something on what they call those tunnel monsters that a lot of them are described like what you said. Not all of them, right. but some of them. Uh, like almost like reptilian, and I was like, like sleaze stacks, like from the old days, you know, like from the land of the law stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, go, go figure. Right? I mean, and like I said, and could it, could it be BS? Some of it, but I mean, there's been a lot of people that's seen so much stuff yes. in this area, and so it's just crazy. Um, can oh, can I mention a little show I do on YouTube? Yes, absolutely. Okay, it's it's nothing fancy. It's really, really, you know. Uh, Dixie cups and and you know flossy. I mean, it's like there's no budget, and and that's okay. I want it that way. I don't want it super glitzy. I'm just a real kind of down to earth guy, and uh, and a lot of times I'll, I'll talk about different stuff. You know, I might have one episode where I talked about the crazy stuff that happened in gargles, or I might have different things talking about uh, uh, some of the weird stories I heard growing up as a kid. Okay. Like, okay. Did you ever hear of Did you ever hear of bloody bones? Of bloody what? Bones? Bloody bones. No. Okay, did you ever see the movie Rawhead Rex? Yes. Okay. Rawhead Rex, okay, when I was a kid. Okay. Because my parents were very old. Um, they, um, I assumed this was something, because it's a South, I assumed this was a story that come from Africa. Mm-hmm. And maybe like it was a slave story, because there are a lot of slave stories that became part of, you know, Southerners are basically you know, um, enriched white folks from the South that ha- took on a lot of attributes of, of, of slave culture because it amalgamates. It yes. It amalgamates. It amalgamates in exactly right. And, and, and you cultures cross pollinate mm-hmm. uh, if, if I'm using that correctly. But, um, so my mom had always told me this story. Um, but apparently it comes back from the early Welsh and English, like okay. early, like 15th century, the Rawhead Rex character, and Bloody Bones were kind of like, you know how like they had Santa Claus and Krampus. Yes, exactly. Krampus, yeah, when you look at that Krampus character, it's like, what? Oh yeah, he should. No, I don't want any part of that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'll be good, I promise. But um, it was a thing where, it was a thing where she would always tell me the story and like, like I guess eat you up or something. Now Bloody Bones was different because. If you were a bad kid, and he would hear you, and he would he would get closer to your house, get you closer to the house, and the more you don't be good, closer the quicker you come to your house. It's no good, right? It's like uh, I have a friend whose family is uh, Latino, and he was always talking to me about the Kokoi, uh, the Kokoi, and like uh, uh, El Coco. Uh-huh. He was sort of like a, I guess what's the word I'm looking for, like an El Chupacabra type monster. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like the Latino uh, boogeyman. Right, like so a boogeyman. That's exactly what I was right. going to say. And um, so anyway, and and it was kind of scary, but it wasn't. It was almost like he's getting closer. He's out down at the corner. He's at the front door. He's in the living room. And you know, and then he's getting to your room, and, he, and she grabs your feet, and he's got you. Yeah, you're scared. But when when you weren't there talking about it, you're thinking about, is there really a bloody bones out there? But the story was, if he got you, he would drag you back to his to his little lair. And he'd, oh my. He'd, he'd shred you to bits, and that's why he was covered in blood because that was the blood of his victims. And I'm like, and thanks, mom. I was there's gonna not, say, there's, God. there's not enough freaking therapy. I already come <laughs> from this whacked out family, and you're throwing that on me, boy. But it it was the 70s. You grew up, you grew up different. But um, 
that's the sort of weird stories that I'll talk about. And <laughs> the name of the show, if anybody's not already totally turned off by it at this, at this point, is called uh, The House of Asher. Uh, kind of okay. like The House of Usher. I loved old Vincent Price stuff and the, and the Poe yes. adaptations. And he's – Vinny P is my guy. And, I know. Um, he's great. So, he was great. He's great. So I love all those I love, uh, Hammer films that came out in the oh, 60s yeah. with him especially. I actually mention Hammer films in my book uh, okay. a lot. Like if I have certain stuff, like you know, you know, it comes across the like uh, you have like like step stones in an area, and like fog is rolling over it. It looks like something out of you know, Dry Die Dracula Die or yes, all of- like that. You know, all that stuff, the Peter Kirshen stuff, and yes, and okay, all right, unrelated but related. In Nashville, we had had uh, Channel Five. We had a guy called. The Count of Five. Can you believe it? That was his actual horror host name, The Count of Five. <laughs> and, and, he, and he dressed up uh, kind of as a, as a vampire, and he would have all these cruddy kind of B-movies. And we had Sir Cecil to Creep, and, and then later <laughs> on we would have like Dr. Gangreen and all these guys. But anyway, I come from a long line of horror kids, which once I could imb- knew I cannot be hurt by most of that stuff, I right. went, oh, that's really cool. So that – Again, comes all full circle and it's all interconnected like a great big goofy spider web. And I've went completely off the rails on probably what you wanted to ask me. So, the oh. way it was great because I mean I totally relate to what you're talking about. Believe me, as far as what's the fodder in our brain as we're growing up, because this is all the stuff that plays into it, which is like you said the um, yeah. Now we look at it, of course, because we're a little bit jaded with all this, you know, all these graphically realistically produced movies but back mm-hmm. then when you watched like you said peter cushing or christopher lee and hammer films and which by the way i, I i'm sure you have you you saw you saw that movie the first version of that movie fright night where oh, yeah, yeah. he goes and he's getting the help from this you know kind of vincent price that's who they were referring to help as a as a vampire hunter peter vincent vampire peter vincent killer. exactly peter vincent um, and it was the that was it that was that was that was like what you were talking about. This is the these were the type I, of local stuff that you had going on as far as the movies. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's a thing because I was not a big partier kid. What are you going to do on a Saturday night? You know, I mean, as I got older, we would get like cable, and we'd have like night flight and some stuff like that and and whatever. But before then, it was local horror hosts and stuff. And yes. Uh, that's always the girls would always joke because we used to watch Buffy a lot, and uh, I always liked Giles because he was always the guy I was researching, and, and I related to that guy. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about something, and I said, said, "Yeah, I said, I'm kind of like the Giles of the group." He says, "No, Dad, you're you're more like the Peter Vincent of the group. You're like a little dramatic and <laughs> and all that." I'm like, "Okay, guess it could be worse." But uh, but that's what's funny too is because the my kids have had a few experiences. And okay. uh, I, it's one of these things that we always kind of kept the research aspect of it right out from under them. Because mm-hmm. it's one of these things kids have a hard enough time. If, if they don't, if they're not just totally dealing with some sort of thing that's paranormal, why add it to them? But as the kids got a little bit older, you know, they would talk about little things. We The house that we lived in, which is on the same property of the one we have now, because we had it taken down uh, for to make get a wheelchair accessible for house for my boy um had been built in like about 1911 1915 okay and it had been a old uh, railroad 
conductor's house, and it was it was back when it, they would go from Louisville okay. to um, I guess it's Paducah or, or Clarksville. Okay. Anyway, and this was kind of in midway point, and so he would stop here, and it doesn't matter if he's going this way or that way. He know he'll be back probably about six o'clock at night. Anyway. Mm-hmm. We would have a lot of, uh, you know, sounds of people walking up on our steps, really? like in the like the heavy wooden boot type old timey mm-hmm. type. Boots. To make that better, uh, where I live in Princeton, I live right across the street from Morgan's funeral home. I mean, people are going to be thinking, Google me, I'm, Jesus, I'm right across the street. Come visit, and say hi. So, but um, bring a gift. So anyway, um, I'm right across from Morgan's, and so we're on the back end of Morgan's funeral home. So we see every time they bring in. A body, you know, uh, if it's four o'clock in the morning, we're the first oh, to know it's such a jacked up, jacked up thing. Because I would tell the girls, if we were playing outside, I mean, not so much at night, but somebody comes in, there's like a white sheet. I'm like, let's go around the corner. <laughs> hey, look at the flowers and um, and stuff. Because I mean, I, we've seen people's, you know, they're pushing them in. Okay, another movie reference. Do you remember in Young Frankenstein? Yes, and they got the guy out of the graveyard. And they're trying to push him on that gurney. Mm-hmm. They slides off. They pick it back up. The guy's hand falls out. Right. I've seen that. Oh, God. I have seen <laughs> that. And what, what you've got to understand. Imagine, though, though is, living across the street from a funeral home. It's, well, it's a yeah, Stephen it, King story in itself, right? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect fodder. You know, I mean, don't be wrong. I mean, I'm writing some stories about funeral homes in my, in my book. So I'm. I'm leeching from everything I've experienced. It's, sure. it's basically a documentary, but it's not. But um, understand too, this ha- this place has been in business since probably 1911. Good people, uh, long long history of of, of uh, funeral directors, and they've had both my parents. Okay. Both both of my wife's parents. Uh, our our daughter Kaylee, who passed between my oldest daughter and our, my middle daughter. Mm-hmm. She was stillborn, anyway, uh, and my son Joseph, not to mention some friends and other things. So we have sort of a nefarious uh, knowledge of each other. Right. You know, they've they've cared for a lot of our people and and whatnot, and um, so it's that strange sort of. Uh, in other words, even yeah. you were, even before. In other words, you were witness to what was going on. It sounds almost like before you were actually. Your people were going there. You were because you lived across the street from is what you're telling me, right? Well, we once we married, uh, me, me and my wife married. Um, we we had lived in Southern Illinois for a little bit. Um, before that, I was between here and Texas in the Four Corners area. Um, but once we settled down, I was like, you know what? I don't want to raise kids and and there's nothing wrong with Chicago. There's nothing wrong with this and that. But she has family in Chicago. I went once. I once had a luxurious head of hair. If you look at my picture now, there anymore. <laughs> Um, some of that's genetics, but what was there went white. I swear, hand to God, I started getting the kind of – I wanted to get the Vincent Price like white on the temples. It didn't work like that. It was like on the top of my head. So I'm like, yep, this has got to go. But I wanted to raise my kids in a, in a relatively small town that I know mm-hmm. that we could have some influence on the school systems and this, this and that right. and, and try to make it a better place. So we did. But the place that we were able to find was right here. And it, was a great, it was a great home. But when you have an old house like that, you're going to see sounds of, or have sounds of people cooking in the kitchen. There's nobody there. Sometimes you have like that parlor music stuff. Turn the lights uh-huh. on. It's not there. Um, so 
I think maybe maybe I saw more than I think I saw, but I think I became so so dang normalized to it that it's just right. like maybe maybe I have seen a lot of weird stuff, but it's not one of those things where again it's okay. You ever seen the meme where it's like lights flicker, one percent chance of electrical problems, ninety nine percent demons, you know. <laughs> That kind of thing. That's that's not who I'm wanting to be. Uh, I know, I know. I, I I have laughed because I've spoken about this to other guests where it's like that's overdone. I mean, it's like. No, <laughs> I mean that's that's there's some truth to that because I mean I've had folks that were on the teams and stuff wanted to be on the teams, and they were just so for sure there's a demon here. They're so for sure. Oh I was like, God. first of all, if there's a demon, I ain't going because yeah, right, exactly. Like, give me a good old dead person, you know, that's all I want. <laughs> I don't think, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't care if you cross the streams, Egon. They're going to get you. <laughs> Leave them alone. Yeah. You know, and, and the odds of actually running into something I would call truly demonic mm-hmm. is rare. But, you know, again, this is a s- section of America, middle America, and, and I tread lightly because, you know, i got to go to sleep in this place tonight. Um they are very religious, and some are slightly backward. Um, so it's it's one of those deals where you kind of go, okay. But I mean, that's why. And when even the way I wrote, uh, when when I wrote the books, I tried to make sure to not go, to not come in there like you said, like Doctor Strange with a cape, and you know, and I'm making all these weird occult symbols with my hands. Um, I'm just a guy. I'm the same kid that played in in okay, the caves. That I told you about. It runs downtown. That's the heart of town. It used to be called Eddie Grove, and it got changed to Princeton. Okay. That used to be where the people on the Trail of Tears stopped. A lot of them died. Wow. I'm telling you, there's a lot of really kooky, jacked-up stuff in my area. But I played in there as a kid, and I used to catch uh, crawdads or crayfish or whatever you call them. Mm-hmm. I would find minnows. I would find old bottles from the old Princeton Bottle Company. Uh, walking around barefoot, of course, you know, dodging them like two inches. But – so all that all that kind of crazy stuff is is tied into that. But that's what I always tell everybody because you're talking about being a writer, and I still kind of chafe at it a bit because, like I said, I'm just a I'm a dad. Um, right. I try to help social needs folks. I I do stuff in the paranormal, you know, investigate it, but it's still very, you know, it's it's weird pair of shoes to wear. You know, obviously you've got you know Stephen King and Dean Koontz and guys like that and and Patterson and stuff like that. Um, I'm not even trying. Some people's like, I'll never be that guy. I'm like, I'm not even gonna try to be that guy. He, he's got his thing. I'm gonna just right. Do well, you know what? You, at the end of the day, really, I mean, it sounds like you've got besides you know with the stories or you know interviews with witnesses, your own personal history and your the things you've had firsthand experience. It sounds like you've got. And the area, like you said, where you live at, you've got God, you've got books, lots of books waiting to be written. Well, there's a story. Up, are you familiar with? Uh, and, and I'm treading lightly on this. There was a guy named Roderick Farrell. He was from this area. He was a Kentucky vampire killer, and they drove down to Florida and, and murdered this elderly couple. Uh, and as part of a satan, or supposedly, and I use air quotes again, satanic cult. Uh, okay. The reason I say that is I'm kind of a centralist. I know folks that are, uh, uh, I guess, Wiccan. I know some folks that are just kind of neo-pagan. Mm-hmm. I know I got some people that uh, that that uh, I don't want to say claim that they are Satanists. They say I am a Satanist. Okay. Right. Do you take care of your your kids? Are you bleeding goats out? No. Okay. Great. Have fun. Um, <laughs> I 
that's your thing. Just like like exactly. we talked about the political thing. You got left people, you got right people, you got people in the middle, you got people that's exactly. wanting to vote for their whatever, their dog. Have at it. Um, I'll be over here doing me. Um, but exactly. there was a guy there, and they drove down there, but they used to meet around this area in the LBL area at a place called the Vampire Hotel. There was such and a place? There was a place called the Vampire Hotel. Okay. Again, most of the, a lot of the lands, the buildings were destroyed, but some of the old buildings, it had been a, a small hotel during the day back when there were still roads through there. LBL is a lot like – you ever seen like Life After People? Like where it had all the buildings and stuff growing up, at, and it's Roderick Farrell, if, if you're right, guys know that. Um, okay. And I met this guy um, before this went down. Me and my wife uh, had had to go to Murray, Kentucky, which is about I'm giving you a lot of ge geographic don't worry, areas. Don't worry, don't Down on. about 45 minutes from Princeton. She was a uh, assistant manager at 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 Hardee's at the time, um, and we had to go down and get. It's really – it's a boring story. Had to go get like quarter pounder burgers. So anyway, and I'm like – she's like, do you want to ride down with? I'm like, yes. So let's go to Murray. So I'm going through there. We go into the little uh, restaurant. We get some stuff. There's a group of these kind of goth-looking kids sitting in the corner. And I understand I'm not judgmental because you know, I grew up in, in kind of a rough family. I found rock and metal and, and you know, got into punk and all that stuff. So I look – you know that, that, you know, I had mohawks from time to time and things so like that. So you're like, they're, 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 that's their moment. That's what's going on with them right now is like. Yeah, that's their, that is their voice. And so you rock that. Go ahead. So anyway, um, they kept just kind of scowling at us, you know, looking at it like just angry. Uh, and I'm just like, man, you're mad at your dad, not me. I didn't do anything. <laughs> he's a, he's an a-hole. I'm just here to get burgers, dude. So anyway, we're, we're getting ready to come out. And one of the guys, I guess, had run out to the car. And about bumped into me, and he kind of looked at me, and I was like, I think I said, uh, how you doing, Dracula? And I walked on out. Stupid, right? So anyway, come to find out, I'm reading the paper, and like, I see this guy murdered two, you know, X amount of old people in Florida. Yeesh. Are you so, kidding? hand to God. And, and it's so strange. I've had these weird brushes with really messed up people and really messed up situations, but been able to hopefully side, you know, have sidestepped it so far. Oh. Um, yeah, you should, really should read it. There was a uh, – they were trying to do a book about it. Um, he was like – I mean like – because there's a difference between – okay, okay, you have – And let me ask something. Did he kill them randomly or were they – did he pick them specifically for some reason? It was his girlfriend's grandparents, and they decided they were oh. kind of dosed up on different stuff. Like what's, what's the uh, the green liquid that you pour over the sugar cube and like uh, – Absinthe? Abs yes. Okay. Different things like that, which I don't that, – that's not going to make you murder anybody. But I'm saying if you're already kind of stabby, it doesn't Yeah, help, I know. Uh, or it doesn't hurt one. So anyway, yeah, they go down there, and they – it's just this kooky killing spree. They take their car. They're this and that. And they're trying to head for the border, and they end up getting caught. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's really weird. I mean, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. People go, oh, it's a flyover state. It's a sleepy little dig deeper. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's there's some places I can tell. Okay, okay, I didn't tell you this. Going through the graveyard to see my dad, sometimes you would hear. Okay, I would think that I would hear, like a baby, and you know what? There's people's homes, you know, across fields. It could be a window could have been open. That's what I said. I mean, I walked faster, but that's what I said. Oh, that's and right. 
come to find out that there had been a guy who owned a lot of that area by my grandfather's air, uh, property mm-hmm. who had had – this is during the time when, like, again, women were like cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you've got a debt. The family's got a debt. Well, you will, you'll work here as my – Maid or wink, wink or whatever. Almost and like an indentured servant. Kind servant, of. very much so. Okay. And apparently, this girl got pregnant, and I'm not for sure if the girl was related to him, or like a cousin, or off some which way. But it was not. It was not cool. And I hate to say that because I am in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> you know, I swear to God, I do not have overalls on right now. <laughs> but um, I do own a few flannel sh- or uh, camouflage shirt. <laughs> I, I will say that. Full disclosure. But apparently. The guy said, uh, that's not my kid. And she said, I've never been with anybody. Well, he got really kicked. kept trying to get her to go to an abortionist. Okay. Back in the day, obviously, it's the back room things. It didn't happen. Yes. Well, he, the day come for the baby to be born, she said, and he said, uh, I'll tell you what. I don't want it to be like this because they were talking, but he wanted to see what was going on with this kid. And he said, if this baby is mine, I will care for it you know, you know, for all its days. And she said, do you mean that? And he says, yes. So anyway, she had the baby. This is back in the time when, you know, they're going to – it's her first pregnancy. It was really rough. They dosed her up. She was out. He went, saw the baby and the thing, picked it up, looked just like him. And this is going to be a little graphic. Um, so, you know, be aware. He walks out. He walks out the back door because it was kind of a shotgun shack type building. Walks out, has a little blankie or what do you call it, a – the cloth you wrap around the baby, swaddling right. cloth. Mm-hmm. He walked probably 50 feet out, made a left turn, went to where the pig pens was. Oh no, my God! Please, no! Don't tell me that. I won't tell. Then I won't tell you. But he, I'll tell, he, I know where you're going with that. Oh my God! And he said, "That's a pig." And he walked back in. No, he went and uh, took the baby by the feet, smashed his head on the post. Because see, something you don't know about pigs. Um. Pigs will eat a human completely up, but you have to fracture the skull first. I didn't know that. I mean, <laughs> I guess well, I haven't had that situation. So you look through it in there, and by the time <laughs> the girl come to, the child was gone. My older brother, Robert, um, he's seen a lot of horrible stuff too. Heard some people screaming, and my mom, all he remembers is, boy, get in the house. Is What's up? She says, don't worry about it, get in the house, you know, because they have to live on that same lot, but they knew what happened. Um, but I never connected what that was with that. And wow, you know, it's so strange. I do want to add that I am available for children's parties. And um, <laughs> you'll be a big hit. <laughs> no, I mean, after no, all the no, little I, kids leave. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Leave screaming, oh, mommy. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, it was just what it was, what it was. It was what it was. And there's just that, that vibe of hardened kind of a hardened aesthetic and sort of darkness of this area has always been there Um, and I think I've weathered it pretty well Um, I am a product of my environment and so I've been on you know dirty word lock Um, not to mention I've worked in law enforcement for years you get a mouth Um, Mm -hmm. so hopefully hopefully nothing slipped up but but that is one of the big reasons I went ahead and put these stories in there Uh, now I've not I've not put the the uh, the hog story in yet? I probably will in one of the upcoming books, but I'll warn you which one it is. <laughs> if you decide to read it, so you're gonna you won't walk up on it because it's there's a lot of details I left out. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
it's right now it's a labor of love. I like I like writing, um, being a musician and stuff, you know, and writing my own music and lyrics and all that. It's sort of a natural extension of that. And um, we'll see where it goes, you know. Um, Let me ask you something, Steve. When you were working there in the prison, did you ever have any experiences, whether you were there or afterwards when you came home, where you felt something had come home with you or something? Because it sounds like you're really sensitive. You know, you pick up on these things. Well, you know, it's weird. Okay, I... All right, I'll answer your question, and then I'm going to answer you with three more questions or three more answers. Okay. Um, at the penitentiary, no. Uh, at some grave, well, it wasn't a graveyard. It was actually a, it was a piece of property that had a burn up, burnt down trailer, and people had said that they would hear things and women screaming. Okay. Well, I'm like, well, let's go check it out, um, and we would have, you know, you know, all your electrical equipment not work. Your cars wouldn't start. And because we were having all this different weird stuff going on, and so we're getting ready to leave, and I could just feel, you know, that you ever been in school when you had a bully and they're just walking by, like, turn around, come on, come on, bro, mm-hmm. turn around, that guy or that yes. girl. Yes. Yes. Um, you felt it, and I was just like, so guys, go ahead and start the car. I'm gonna wait here for a second because I could feel. I thought it was something affecting me. He said it won't start, and I said, do me a favor, take some shots behind me. Just, I'm just don't know why. Just take some shots, mm-hmm. and you could see sort of a kind of blackish glob which again the night sky darker than that oh. and and so i happened to have some holy water on me and i started saying you know the lord's prayer and i started kind of tossing it and they were kind of taking shots as i was doing it um it seemed like it you know because i said look you said you know you have you have no right to follow us you are bound to this ground you know in the name you know jesus, you know, jesus christ you know we, mm-hmm. we bind you here if you attempt to follow us we will never ever return here and after that, the car started up. The voice recorders worked again. But the pictures, and I need to send these to you. You could see, like, when you're doing the holy water, it's kind of going like, like you know, power of Christ compels you stuff. Not maybe not that dramatic, but right. you could see water flying, and you could see where the the little cloud was splitting in half to really? avoid the water. It was really strange. And um, why? And that was the that the one time. Do you, do you ever know what the history was? Why it was that things supposedly were? After the fact, yes. Um, we kept asking whose property is it, and they kept saying Phelps. Phelps. And come to find out, the, the guy who owned the property at the time all this went, that something went down, was his name was Phelps. Um, oh. Come to find out that supposedly a girl was taken out there and. Really, really brutally raped. I, I don't know if it killed her or what, okay. but there was a bad feeling in that area after that. And okay. certain kids would come out there and try to call up things, oh, you know, that yeah, right there. Yeah. and yeah. So, um, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty wicked. Yeah. I didn't really feel, I didn't feel scared, but I just felt uncomfortable and I knew something wasn't right. I haven't had a lot of that, but I had enough to go. No, we, no, I mean, we couldn't leave anyway because the cars wouldn't start. I mean, we had two different vehicles out there. None, none. Can like you imagine what are the chances that neither vehicle is going to start? It's like, wow. And, and you know how many times that's happened to us? Just that time. Never, ever, nothing like that happened like that again on, on regards wow. of vehicles. Um, sensitivity. Okay. Uh, I think I could consider myself a modern guy. I think I'm in touch with my feminine side. But, but you're having a different type of sensitivity. Um, I'm sorry. I, I crack jokes. It's my nature. Um, <laughs> 
I, I'm the Alan Alda of, of the ghost ghost hunting community. How, how's that for a tag? Um, <laughs> I'm the Phil Donahue, <laughs> the Phil Donahue of ghost hunters. Um, but no, I um, yeah, I, I I again I chafe at it because I hate labeling myself with anything. Because as soon as you kind of go. I'm a sensitive. I am an empath. I am a whatever. I know what you I mean. just see somebody coming out with some schlocky gimmick <laughs> and you know I don't know. I'm whatever the, the hillbilly ghost whisperer or something. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that. Uh, oh, that's great. That you know what I'm saying? It's like I only I only like speak with ghosts in haunted houses and trailers. Oh my god. <laughs> I gotta use up. I'm gonna lose half my constituents there. Better behave. But oh my um, God, that's great. what was going on? Well, okay. Whenever I would go into situations, um, something developed really organically because we didn't have a lot of tools. We might have had a voice recorder. Um, we used we used divining rods still because I've okay, always liked. Okay, yeah, I, the, I've used divining rods. I still have mine there. As a matter of fact, but, they're very good. Well, I mean, I, in all my years of using divining rods, never once did the batteries go bad. Nope. You know, no batteries to to suck on. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, a lot of times we would go into areas and just like, like say you're in kind of a dark dark area, you would, like say if you're walking to a room and you're trying to find the light switch, you kind of put your hand out, mm-hmm. maybe waist high, maybe chest high, somewhere in there, and you're in, and as I'd walk, sometimes, and I'm trying to describe it, you know, where I don't sound like a complete raving lunatic, um, you would feel pressure. I would feel like if I was in an area that had a lot of heavy pressure, it felt it would feel negative. If it was maybe cooler, I know it's something maybe possibly spiritually active, but not necessarily a threat. Okay. And I could kind of – it's almost like, okay, if you're walking in the water and maybe you hit a warm spot or you hit a cool spot. Yes. It's like this is slightly different, and it wasn't like, I sense a spirit. It's nothing like that. <laughs> it was just, you know – I mean, it's not Benny Hinn bopping people in the head. It was just, I don't know why this works, but it does. And um, and a lot, of, you know, I've had people go, well, you know, I think maybe you're from a long line of witches. I think you're a long line of this. And I was like, what'd you call my mama? But I said, no, seriously, no, I don't think so. And if so, okay. But it was a thing where it just happened. It's. I can't describe it any better than that. Um, and if it if it is some, and I think part of it is that you attune yourself to noticing that, just yes. like a hunter can look down into the woods and you're like, do you yes. see a game trail? No. Yes. After you know. a while, you uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. Right. And so that that's an element of that. And and I know I sound really flippant, and I hope I don't sound like disrespectful or disingenuous. It's just I can't take myself this seriously. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's no reason to. There's too many really. You know, I don't say heavy hitters are just big egos and oh, yes. I am and that's yes. that will never, I hope that will never be me. Please keep me please keep no, me grounded. No, and I absolutely agree considering let's say in this field it's about dead people or things like that. It's like one of two two things. People sometimes take take themselves too seriously. And that's a bad thing to do because if not it, it can get depressing when you really look at it with which you know, you're investigating or what, or in this case, let's say what you're trying to write about, you know, it's like you have to lighten up a little bit. Well, more than that, it's, it's such a male driven thing. Um, I mean, you don't, you're wrong. I mean, you know, uh, you definitely have, uh, uh, notable women in the field, but the, the glut of the people that are doing the shows and a lot of them are going to look kind of like me ball headed with goatees or, you know, they are wearing <laughs> leather jackets and, and all of them have matching this and that and 
I'm like, dude, it's not that serious. I mean, just yeah. – I mean, if, my thing was always – because we would do a lot of home investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of the kids were playing on the Ouija boards or right. maybe somebody brought a piece of uh, an antique from somewhere. Yes. Um, stuff like that. I have a lot of people that ha- that do haunting uh, haunted houses, and they'll go, "Oh, well, hey, uh, this old asylum is getting rid of some of these uh, some of these beds. You want them? Sure. Mm, okay." And then it's like, "Hey, for some reason, I keep having people screaming in my bathroom. I don't know what's going on." <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> well, unless your wife saw a spider or something, or your son, I'm not I'm not going to be uh, put gender roles on it. But um, it's just one of those things that uh, we would always go. Especially if there's a kid, especially if there's somebody that's, you know, they're all having to huddled together in the same little room and uh, their quality of life is not good. That bothers me, uh, especially if something where the children are getting scratched up, marked yeah. up, things yeah. thrown at them. That pees me off. Uh, my wife, oh, my God, she is, she goes like full mama bear about it. And, um, yeah, she doesn't she doesn't like that. Of you know, because like you said, kids, kids have it rough enough as it is. But, again, that's where our heart is, too. And so that that's the sort of thing that always kind of it well, was see, one of the when, bigger when, that, when you're a bigger. child and let's say you let's say you're an adult you know or the parent or whatever so I don't want to be an adult but go ahead well you 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 know if let's say something like that is going on you have a choice you can leave move whatever when you're a child and something like this is going on you don't have that choice right you know you're dependent on your parent or parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. to stay there, leave, do something about it. So kind of you're like hoping that the person in charge is going to do something about it. But when you're a child, and exactly like what you said, when they're having to endure something along those lines, it's all, or if for some reason they're being targeted, that puts on a hold because they don't have the choice of saying, you know what, I want to move out. I don't like this house anymore. Right. I mean, we, we actually had some of that with our old house, uh, which at the time, you know, they would... St- talk about seeing a little girl in the stairway okay. um, because we had lost a uh, lost our daughter Kaylee uh, um, she would go well maybe it's Kaylee you're seeing and they're going this doesn't feel like family you know which like my my youngest girl sort of has the same whatever that that I've got so um, and I don't know I don't know how I feel about that I kind of hate it. I mine was sort of um, I don't know. Mine was a a reflex a reflex to deal with a fearful stimuli, mm-hmm. so I can feel like I'm able to function. Okay. Okay. You know, I don't want that for her. I mean, if she wants to be, you know, next generation, whatever, party <laughs> on. You know, as long as she takes whatever safeguards and whatnot. Um, but it's just one of those things where. Uh, it it it's just like oh great you know um, I just I don't know I mean I, don't, I guess it sounds bad to say well I don't want them to do what I'm doing but I don't want them to feel they have to deal with stuff because of they saw stuff I mean since we've had we have the new house um, there, none of that's been happening um, well you know and it's like and and sometimes you know well sometimes those things they come and go they're like it's a temporary thing right yeah but, like a karma chameleon. Mm-hmm. They come and go. Yeah. You know I was going to go there. Come on, it's fun to <laughs> laugh. But no, um, well, no, I, you're, you're very. That is very true. And I do think that for whatever reason, that sometimes people 
if you want to call it seeing through the veil, has a, has a certain gift, has a certain knowing, um, the shining, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that's true. Uh, I think probably too many people try try to be that mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And I'm just like, I know I, I can't slam dunk anything. So that's just not in my that's not in my uh, plans or my cards. Um, but we each have certain gifts, be it from your creator or whomever. Um, exactly. And and why not use them to your benefit? Um, the fact that obviously, you know, in this conversation, you've learned that I can't shut up, and I'm gonna just yap yap yap. That's why I went into doing radio. That's the reason I, I'm an entertainer. <laughs> you know? um, and yeah, listen, let I'm me sure tell you something. Are... You are so super entertaining. I swear, you really, really, truly are. You're great. If if I can leave any any uh, interview, and people will go. Maybe, oh, well, that's not what I expected. I thought maybe this guy was going to come in here and either be very long-winded and like this or be so full of himself. I don't want that. You know, I want to – like I said, I'm about this far from being like a horror host. I'm so (laughs) – I I have to keep myself from being so completely kitschy, you know, Um, because I love that. I love that crap. Um, But I also know there's a certain – professionalism you got to bring to things and, and a certain sure. respect for the people involved um now i sometimes i will joke off a thing a little bit to kind of lighten the stress of things um because it seems to work but obviously and that's one of the things we hadn't really talked about when you take things to people and depending on their cultural religious whatever beliefs mm-hmm. backgrounds and what they can what they can, what they can um, spiritually eat, you know what I mean? Like, okay, they they are squares, okay? They are around, they're a round peg, and I'm trying to bring them a square and go here. This is what's happening in your world. It doesn't always fly. I have to kind of go here. It's like, uh, like Rod Sterling said, for your approval. Mm-hmm. Look at this. You take away what's from it. Now, if it's something, if I definitely don't think it's something that's life threatening or whatever, I'll say this and that. Usually my first thing is if, if a child's being harmed or something like that, it's like I don't know what your religious convictions are, but if you have any, maybe talk to a deacon or a priest or yeah. shaman or whatever. And But it's not necessarily has to be that. You can protect yourself spiritually without that, and that would probably help with this and that. And then you do follow-ups with them and check with them. Sure. And I've had, I've had people I've helped or try to help. Say like I'm Salvation Army, like I'm helping them, but oh. I mean I try to, you know. Uh, but I've had I had a family that, uh, well I thought it was the kids that were just playing with the Ouija board. Okay. Uh, come to find out, it was uh, the mom, too, that was getting the kids into it and doing a lot of, which candle magic can be like very innocuous. Uh, as a Ouija board, if you respect it, I have. I, have you ever heard of? Uh, do you know who Tim Shaw is? Tim Shaw. You need to know Tim Shaw. No. He he is a strapping, strapping, handsome man and, and very well educated on Ouija boards. He, his family is from like a long generation of spiritualists. Okay. Um, I, uh, I've i had people go, you know, do you know – how much do you know your family tree? And he gets kind of muttered after my grandfather. Uh, and they said, I would not be surprised if you've had some sort of lineage of, of spiritualism, which I've, I've always leaned more towards spiritualism just by mm-hmm. – by nature, but he's very knowledgeable about this, and it's like, okay, well, you're not going to give a handgun to a two-year-old. You're not going to put a five-year-old behind a car. Um, if they don't know what they're doing, they can 
cause great harm. Okay. And he says, if you and if you use this, you know, properly, and you don't do it the right way exactly, right? Know how to close, you know, the circles and the whatnot. It can be a a, a great tool and a, and a great learning tool and and whatnot. But when you have people that, you know, you you know, that's a, that type of thing, you know. Well, when am I going to die? Or you know, I want to talk to the devil. Hey, let me or whatever, and or whatever negative energy, whatever, which sounds really goofy, like an '80s horror movie. But mm-hmm. sometimes you do get negative sure. things, or things that want to be negative things. Maybe it's human spirits; they're mm-hmm. pretending they're demons. But they did this to the point that they had sound like people running their nails up and down the walls. Um, uh-huh. They would see like where they'd have a a, a Close to where the heat return is in the wall, they would see almost like black. Like, okay, you ever seen like a mirage come off yes. a hot rope? Yeah. This is not emitting any heat at all. It's, it's it's sucking air in. You would see like flick the fluttering like black heat coming up off of it, wow. um, and stuff like that. We went there, had it done, blessed all the rooms, anointed the doors with oils, stuff like that, and said a prayer, which mm-hmm. I know it sounds very new agey, you know. It but it, it, that, that's where they were at, so that's what I honored. Mm-hmm. And I, I will tell you the other spooky thing that happened. Now, there's a couple spooky things, but the one thing, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> that's not spooky. That can't be spooky. <laughs> but I went to do <laughs> – okay, I just cut that part out. I went to <laughs> – Oh, absolutely not. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, I went to the open door of the restroom, and I went to inside every room, and I would go to the corners and do this and that. Very, very straight, and uh, I went to go in the room, and it was like my body went er! – like, no. It wasn't like there was a – I wasn't sitting there like I'm pantomime, like I'm acting like I'm in a box. It was like I physically could not step into that room, and wow. so I just kind of said the Lord's Prayer, turned around and walked out. Uh, felt extremely uncomfortable, definitely felt a presence. I felt, I felt like water was in the room wanting to kill me. It's, and that's the only way I can only way I can say it. So I went walking out. Uh, I'd had a voice recorder be set up in that room before I before we started it. Okay. And so I come out. My wife's going to show to go get the voice recorder. And um, you know, because we always work together, it's kind of a I don't want to say like oh we're in Lorraine Warren, but we had that type of thing that husband and wife team, you know. Right. Um. So. Here we go, and she goes to get it, and I kind of stop her, and she's like, "Oh no, no I gotta get, the, gotta, gotta get the recorder," and I'm like, "No, man, you're not hearing me. Go out the room. I'm, I'm not going. You know, I'm not one of those guys with a pinky ring. Give me some coffee. Get out of here." But I, <laughs> no, you don't know. I'll tell you out here. <laughs> Let's get the frick out of this room. And so I kind of told her, I said, "What, what, I, what I've experienced." Well, so then we listened to the recorder, oh. and you know the part where it says, "In the name of the Father." And of the Son and the Holy Ghost on man. Okay, you may be familiar with that. And um, when I would say it, <clears throat> it said it back to me. It said it back to me, but like, not cool. It said it like, I would say, in the name of the Father. It would go, Father. Holy God. And I'd say, in the name of the Son. And it was almost mocking, like, the Son. Holy like shit. <laughs> and I said, it gives me freaking goosebumps now talking about it. I know, I'm like, listen. And, and I said, Amen. Oh, and it went, Amen. Oh, and it had this weird, like, fuzzy background crap. 
Well, okay. we let me it. ask you, you heard this later when you were already at home? We heard it on the EVP. No, if I heard it then, I would have been like curly out the wall. <laughs> okay. Like an outline of me. No, like I said, I mean, yeah, I'm not a tough guy. I'm not, I'm not that guy that runs up, come at me, bro. That ain't me because <laughs> I know what some of this stuff can do to you. Right. Um, so we heard that, and I'm like, oh, it was like, holy crap, seriously? And, and yeah, it was really weird. It was so strange. Weird I've never is not had exactly the word I would use for it. We, I'd be like, <gasps> yeah. that's myself in holy water. It's like, oh, no, no I'm, yeah, I mean, if I'd heard it, it would have been, you know, uh, I'd be stopping at the store for some new Hanes. You know, uh, I'm, no, I'm not with that. Like I said, I guess, I mean, I'm. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm, I'm kind of a security cat, but I'm also want to make sure people are okay. But I also I'm not trying to be a tough guy. But exactly. I know sometimes you got to step up. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, that was that was pretty freaky. But what happened is we cleared the house, this, this and that. Everything was like easy peasy. Everything sounded like it was normal. Well, about a month and a half later, got a call from the lady. It was like two in the morning. That's and not good. Well, that's not good either. I mean, you're getting a call at two in the morning, you know. Uh-huh. It's like, who's this? But um, uh, it, it was like extended family. But and they said, need you here? And I'm like, pardon me? And it said stuff's going off. And I said, look, I, I, I just got off work. I, if need be, stay at your sister's or somebody will come out tomorrow. Well, come by. Yeah, same sort of feeling was back. All this and that. And um, we went ahead and did a walkthrough with the oils and whatnot. And I uh, said, what's going on? So, I don't know. I don't know why. I said, look, everything was fine. Now we're back. What's going on? Well, you know, I said, you stopped all the magic stuff, right? I was about to say, yes. then the truth really comes yes, out? Yes, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just like a little crystal stuff and, and runes and this and that. And I went, I said, I think you're obsessed. Yeah. I think you're obsessed. I said, uh, this is the last time I'll be here. And it, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm saying, but you could put your kids' yeah. well-being and, and all that at, at, at risk. Exactly. And, and stuff. And it, they didn't want to hear it, but – and it, like I said, I'm not that I'm – not, I'm not the doctor feel the paranormal either. I'm not going to sit here and, and kind of berate you and, and give it to you hard. It's just a thing of going like, look, there's – we're taking out time from home. We don't, we don't charge a cent. Um, I know some people do. That's your choice. I don't – and short of me having to travel like to Louisiana or something, if they want to help with gas – that's fine, but uh, we never charge for any of that. Well, um, you know what? She called you up supposedly at two in the morning, but she's so scared. But it sounds almost like, but not scared enough to have stopped it. No, I mean, like I said, it's that thing of going. Uh, it's like the alcoholic guy, you know. It's like, yeah. you know, well, one sip ain't gonna hurt me. You know, let's streak through the quad. You know, that's what happens next. It, it goes from zero to sixty in a heartbeat, and um. And the thing is, once you are – how do I explain this? Um, once you're kind of exposed to that – I don't say you're stained. That sounds very dramatic. I'm but it's pretty accurate though. Stained by the paranormal. But, but, you, but it's accurate. You are. You are. It's and accurate. And once you've encountered dark stuff like that, you really got to leave it alone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot. Because, I mean, you know, the exorcist, you know. You know, uh, Marin had dealt with whatever before. Years later, he's back at it, you know, and it ultimately cost him his life. So, I mean, that's an extreme example. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, you know, you just uh, – I've actually had folks, and uh, 
uh, a friend of mine who worked at the penitentiary with me, I had to get him off the team. He was so obsessed with it. All he wanted to do was ghost hunt, and like all the time, all he wanted to just listen to EVPs for hours. This and that. That's not good. That is not good. I'm like, buddy, good. I mean, in I, you know, I would describe him as like he was a good Catholic boy. You know, he was so good. You know, he was uh, you know, what's the 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 little guys that walks around with the wafers? The uh, the altar boy. Yeah, that guy. Um, he was he was that kind of guy and real good guy, and um, but he was really obsessed. And I had to look, man, you've got to take some time off. You've got to. This is not good. Yes. And and he's like, man, this is what I love to do. It's I said, I don't know that. Just, just take take the time, you know. And and he. Uh, he had just got married too. I said, focus on that woman. Focus on making some some pretty little kids. You know, don't just this will be here. Ghosts are going to be there. I guarantee. There's ghosts that's been around for 300 years. They're not. They're not yeah. taking off. You know. And um, he had a lot of issues. He was having a lot of problems at the prison. And he kept having things. He felt like he said felt like stuff's watching me. And I feel like and it's in areas and he's describing the same stuff. Right. That I encountered. So I'm not necessarily saying it was like a mental illness thing, but. I but it sounds like he was putting out an invite, also in a way. Well, this is what happened, and there's a there's a chapter in, in the first book, and I was talking to him, and I said, "Man, we really need to talk. Just hang out. Just come over, and I don't know, man. We'll play some Xbox. This is back to when I'm still like, like, like kind of a gamer. Play some mm-hmm. Xbox or some rock and stuff and robots, whatever, man. You know, we'll just grab some country roads, listen to some listen to the radio. He went home, and uh, he blew his head off with a shotgun. He what? And, yes. He he uh he went home. Oh my god. He spoke to his wife and uh went to the bedroom and took a shoe off and yeah. So you know, there's there's his funeral and all that. And I could not help but feel somewhat responsible. I mean obviously I didn't say go home and shoot yourself in the head. Right. Uh, I did everything I could to try to get him separated from. D- am not, I am not saying ghost made him kill himself. But no, no, I'm no, no, no. I know the what obsession, you're the yes. obsession with the interest in the. And I understand that I'm a, I'm an obsessive person. I come from a long line of like drinkers and this and that. And um, I so I understand obs- obsession. I, I write obsessively. I had to literally push the computer away and go. Yep, I'm walking outside. I don't want to look at it for 45, 50 minutes because that's all I'll do. Um, so, yeah, so that was really hard for me. Uh, that was not long before I ended up leaving the penitentiary and started trying to work with special needs adults and stuff. Um, there's casualties in this. People don't always talk yes. about it. Yes. I mean, you talk to people who are uh, ufologists and different things. And, 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 and when I say conspiracy people, I'm not saying that they are nuts, but they look at different conspiracies and try to prove them or disprove them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those people, huh, for some reason... His brakes just went out, you know, uh, or yeah. whatever. I'm not saying that that is 100% what happened, but I know my friends did. And we actually we actually got um, just completely out of um, investigating for a while. It was not until I started writing the, writing the books that it kind of, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, maybe it's time, you know, and uh, – and that's what brought me back to it, you know, just that that love of it and love of my friend. But it's, you know, it's bittersweet. It's just like, um, just like I'm sure growing up in a bigger city, you've probably had friends that's died different ways and uh-huh. lost friends along the way. And, you know, it's just like um, I can't, I don't want, I don't want, and he would not want 
my interest to be like I can't that I have to cut that out of me now. Where, right. Where oh. I can never ever do that because that would kill him. But you know what, Steve? You are not. Uh, you're not the first investigator that's described. Because, like you said, there's people that sometimes get into it, and within a couple of years they kind of fade out. Either it's right. not what they thought, either they get scared, or it's boring sometimes. But almost every investigator I've spoken to that's been doing it for a bit describes maybe not something like that, like where they they lose a friend to suicide, but where they have to step back from it and like not not reduce it, like step away from it totally. Right. Because they kind of think if I don't, it'll consume you. It's it's gonna hurt me and hurt my family, and it's I gotta stop like stop it. And then, like you said, a few months go by, sometimes as long as a year, and then they go start going back into it. But they themselves realize I have got to totally withdraw myself from going out to these places or listening to people call me up and tell me these things that are going on, right. or in this case, coming up against what you described. That right. that was that's pretty dark. Okay, that's not a dead person there. Just a good old dead person that got lost along the way. Right. Well, and that, and that's the thing for me. Uh, I left at the end of 2010. I didn't really start. I mean, I was writing the stories down. And, right. You know, I I would follow certain um, phenomena that's going on, and you know, um, listen to old, like old Art Bell stuff. You know, Mel's Ho mm-hmm. and all that crazy stuff. Um, but the actual investigations, I I was out of that probably close to four years. I mean, I was just yeah, like, say. can't even look at my gear. I just have to leave it alone. Um, you know, but like I said, once of course, once I started doing the writing and stuff, I I had I was just compelled to to get back to it. And you know, and we still kind of pick and choose it. I mean, yes, um, we we're not, you know, and then run into everything. And obviously, it's a thing. You know, I mean. I'm getting a little bit older. We got X amount of kids. We have special needs kids on top of sure. it. And so anytime we step away, that means we have to have someone that we trust to care for our kids. And, uh-huh. and that's time away from our, from our kids and, um, and all that. So, you know, we're kind of stingy with our time, sure. you know, and, uh, with it, I mean, I don't know that, that maybe that's just the way I, way I'm taking it. I feel I need to say a joke cause I think it's getting way too serious. Maybe I can make, make, take, make a fart joke or something. Uh, but no, um, <laughs> But no. But you know um, what? But you're absolutely right. I'm glad you pointed that out because you have a lot of people out there that unfortunately they think um, that it's that the real paranormal investigations, research, whatever you want to call it, ghost hunting, is almost like what the reality TV shows show, and it's not. You either sometimes it's really boring because nothing's there, or you get into these situations where you get into something dark. And despite what your client is telling you as about like, I have no idea, uh-huh. wow, or why this happened, and then later on, yeah, the I truth don't know comes why out. there's a pentagram in there in our, my, my back bedroom. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you have an altar. Okay, that's, yeah. that's cool. Oh, well, we didn't think that was important. You think? I don't know. I mean, and then again, yeah. people have, you know, different beliefs. Uh, you know, our, our son from Thailand, you know, they, they were all Buddhist. Mm-hmm. And uh, because Thailand has like Buddhist and Hindi and different things. Right. Um, and that's okay. You know, uh, we, we had actually had bought our little son a, a little Buddha. And then if he wanted to, to pray to that, that's fine. If he didn't, that's fine too. You know, we were not about um, 
see, cultural appropriation is not the word. We're cultural whitewashing. We weren't right. about that. We wanted him to stay connected with his culture right. if he wants that and have different things from there that he enjoys if he wants that. you know. But um, it, it is one of those things where when you're, when you're bringing a person into stuff, sometimes people don't look at themselves kind of under a microscope. We'll do a little bit of self-check because you know, person's coming in. Now, not everyone's going to be as open-minded as us. Right. And a lot of, a lot of people are going to just just totally just write the whole situation off. Or they're going to go, oh, they're just – they're kind of like hard nuts and just obsessed with the paranormal. And they're mm-hmm. – of course they're seeing this because their walls are covered and everything. And, and this is coming from a guy. I've got, you know, uh, little, you know, air quote haunted dolls and, and things from um, – you know, different little hauntings and stuff that people gave me, and you know, my wife loves it. Oh, she just, oh, she loves it. But um, <laughs> she's like, oh god, can you put them somewhere else? But um, <laughs> it's looking at me. But but yeah, but I mean, you, like you said, you kind of have to uh, measure measure where you're at, and and when you're because if you're bringing a person in to a situation that's you know an outside party, that's one of those things that a lot of times people are just gonna make a quick. Uh, Five minute kind of kind of uh, oh I'm trying to say um, okay I'm having a a pause uh, a judgment or what do you call it they'll size you up really quickly and mm-hmm. then even if you actually are having stuff they're going to write it off and go ah this guy's a wackadoo or whatever or something right or an attention seeker or and you get that I mean I've had people that for whatever reason they just maybe just sad people. Maybe mm-hmm. just lonely people, you know, and and yes, it's it's bad, you know. I, I don't I don't um, talk down to them. I just kind of kind of say this is what I see, what I don't see, and you know, maybe you can talk to this person or that person, you know, because you, you don't want to sit and go, well, have you been under a, a doctor's care or have you been? You don't I don't say well, that. You'd be surprised. A lot of them will tell you, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but you know what? Um, I guarantee some of those guys walking on the street talking to themselves, they're talking to something. Oh, absolutely. I believe that. You, th- yeah. See, that's the thing, and, and I've discussed this before. I said one thing does not exclude another. Right. You know, well, it's not an either-or thing. Right. Uh, and there's usually more under the cover of, of situations. Oh, um, absolutely. All right, talking about prison. Whenever we would – a lot of times we would have to go into cells – and check cells for contraband, uh, anything, cigarettes, food, weapons, whatnot. Um, and sometimes you might find two or three feet right into the cell. Oh, there's a, a bottle of, you know, a, some aspirins. Apparently this guy's been getting aspirins, been saving them. Oh, hey, cool. Well, that's considered uh, because he's hoarding it. That's a charge. And hey, we're great. We're done. Sometimes people will put that out front. So he goes, oh, hey, got something. Cool. We're done. While they got something bigger elsewhere right. into the thing, and that's what happens sometimes with people in those positions. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they just don't give you the whole thing. I'm yeah. just like, look, I'm like, trust me, I can handle weird. I've been around, just lay it on me. Yeah. And if it's something just that's just too far out of out of uh, my ability to, uh, like I said, to be able to eat the the paranormal situation, mm-hmm. I'll have to. So this is out of my this is out of my uh, expertise, and try to send them to somebody I think I can help them. Well, you know what? There's also, 
and I found my own experience as well. I've been doing it since the 1990s, which is um, also when you see somebody that finally when they actually have somebody come in, they're, they're genuinely, truly scared. Right. Yeah, you can read that. You I mean, can read that. Right. And if you tell them, do this or don't do that, they'll, they follow it to the letter of the law. Right. Uh, and, that, and, and, and even if even if the person, I mean, because like I said, I think people that when I say obsessed, I you know you have you have you have you have the two or three steps of people getting to the point where they could be considered possessed or something. Mm-hmm. I have not knowingly encountered possessed people. I've seen people that I would say would seem in some sort of throes of a you know, either religious or psychological right. issue. Okay. But you know, but like you said, there's some people that, like you said are so still into it. It's just like, hey, I took heroin and I almost overdosed. We shouldn't do it anymore. You're right. Two months later, man, yeah. I wish I had some heroin um, yeah. just because their body's going, you need yes. this. Yes. And um, it's what you're dealing with. You're basically dealing with a spiritual addict on that on that level. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad because sometimes you just can't help them. Well, I've you know what? One. And unfortunately, and in those cases, you know, I want to tell you something. They're rolling out the big red welcome mat to something like what you heard that EVP on. Right. It's like, oh, I've got somebody saying, come on down. Oh, man, what they get. And then those are the ones that maybe sometimes a year later, they're like, then they're really, really scared. Then it's like the excitement is over. I am, you know, or or they're, you know, horrible, horrible things have happened to them or their families. It's, well, it's almost like an abusive situation. Things get really crazy, mm-hmm. and then it calms down, and everything's sweet. Yes. Well, you know, the guy took a swung at you two months. It may, may not be a year or something, but he, odds are he'll take another swing at you. Um, to uh, I make a lot of movie quotes. I'm a huge movie file. Um, to quote Mr. Joe Dirt. Is this how you want to be when Jesus comes back? Um, if you're going to have a, you know, if you, like you said, if you, you put out negative, you're going to get negative. Yes. If you're going to try to put out some sort of uh, civility and whatever, generally you get that back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or at least know kind of how to push the other stuff away. And so, like I said, see, that's the thing, because working at the penitentiary, I've been able to, you know, walk through a lot of different places. I've been in places like down under the prison because they actually have like a small – had a small whipping post in dungeons where they would hang men <laughs> on the walls. Oh, I'm telling you, it's it's brutal. We've you know we've had guys beat to death. We've had people thrown off the uh, tiers uh, in Fort Cell House. They used to call it Watermelon Row. And oh. – Okay, they didn't. They weren't serving watermelon. The reason they called it no, watermelon, I, uh, watermelon Row. I don't know if you've ever heard of water, watermelon like fall off the top of a building and hit and pop. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Again, children's parties always available, but <laughs> you would sometimes hear things like that. You would hear somebody give a woo, you know, a yell, and you like look up thinking somebody's throwing something at you. There's nobody there, and really? everyone's out of the cell house. You know, and that's wow. every day. That's that was just normal, but. Like I said, I never had – I don't know if it would necessarily be an honor to, to have been at Western State, but uh, I never had free reign to go through it. I actually tried to set up tours to go okay. do that. 
but it's a still – and understand both of these, Western State and Kentucky State Penitentiary are still functioning facilities. Wow. I didn't know if you knew that. No, um, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't sure if they were still you know, working, especially the asylum part, the, uh, the hospital part. Right. Well, like I said, this is, this is Kentucky. We're going to squeeze it. You know, if it's a cow, we use it. We use everything but the oink. I mean, that's the nature of the place. It's a use it up, you know, and so that they're not going to, they're not going to take that penitentiary down or the Western State Hospital until something better comes along. They're, they're thinking, hey, we put however, however many quarter million, whatever in it, like 100 years ago, we're going to squeeze it for yeah, many hundred years. Yeah, still got some, something in there. But the, it's, it's, the line, no, yeah, that, I mean, I'm sure that those walls, if those walls could talk, it'd be like, what? Well, I mean, sometimes they did. I mean, that's, that's the yeah. thing. Um, but, um, what was I going to say? I, I'm sorry, I blanked out. It's, it's one of those things where, just like, you know, the penitentiary and, and, and Western State and all that stuff, um, hospitals, or, or especially prisons, are moneymakers for communities. It's, um, it's just a fact. Right? We would not have, I mean, America has more, and I'm not getting political. America, has, the way I understand, has more incarcerated members of society than any other country. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have more penitentiaries per capita, I think, than, mm, I don't know, maybe somewhere like Venezuela or something like that, or Brazil or something might have more. But we, we, uh, we're all about that prison life. And so, and it's became kind of a part of the culture here. That's what's so funny is if you live in an area that, um, employs, let me see, let's say, let's say 200 or more people in the community, which means by fanning out, you take care of probably several thousand. Right. And that's, and that's happened for well over a hundred years. It's, it's sort of uh, – I'm trying to find the word, the best way to describe it because it's not – I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody there, but it becomes a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. And we – some of us have fed from that evil due to the fact that that's where we work, even though our, our, our inclinations and, and our to, to, to try to help and right, be, but... be good citizens, but we still – it's just like – you know, uh, people that work for ambulance services, thank God for them. But, you know, they, they to a certain point, thrive on misery. It's just a sad part of life. 